And so uh, we want to, first of all, honor those who are above us. That was the first week we talked about honoring our authority, our God-given authority. Um, so our parents and civil authorities and, 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 and we talk about four different levels of, of authority, four different levels of leadership. And, and then last week we talked about honoring those who are outside of us, reaching out in, in honor to um, those who are currently where we have been. So uh, to our employees or those that we manage at work or to, um, to our children, especially honoring our children, um, honoring the poor. We talked about honoring the poor. And, and um, today uh, we're going to uh, take it in, in a slightly different angle. And I think I think they're just going to talk about just, just the core um, essence of honor, that honor begins somewhere, honor starts somewhere, and, and so it's, it's, it's good for us to end the sermon series where honor starts, because I think maybe now you're ready to hear um, this message about where honor starts. And so we're going to start off by, by looking at our, our typical scripture, Romans chapter 12, um, verse 10, and this is the passage that has been our foundational passage for this series. It says, show family affection to one another with brotherly love, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. You should you should attempt to outdo one another in showing honor, and and this happens of course in in the church setting that that we outdo one another in showing honor. So when 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 the the nursery workers honor you by taking care of your kids, you outdo them by telling them thank you, letting them know how how great it is to to have their children taken care of and looked after, and um, and I don't know maybe maybe bring them a thank you card next week. It's a little. Little, little cash in there or something, gift card, I don't know, but outdo one another in showing honor. I saw somebody's post on Facebook this week who goes to our church, who quoted somebody else who goes to our church, who had counseled her, and it was just a good counsel and just kind of just honored them. And and that's and, and, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, we ought to be just outdoing one another in showing honor. And we talked about how honor is uh, not the same thing as respect, because really, in our culture, we've done a good job of destroying... <laughs> destroying honor and and dishonoring people honor in the, the biblical sense means to value to place a high value on something so when you honor something you place high value on that when you dishonor you place little value or you treat it lightly uh, but honor is something that we des that we owe to everybody we owe um, to give value to every single person that we come into contact with and one of the reasons I think why we why we don't honor is because we confuse it with respect, which, which which respect is something that you earn, right? Respect is something that you that you earn by being respectable. And if you're not respectable, then you're not going to have respect. But honor is something that's given. Honor just says you are valuable, and I value you, and I'm going to approach you and approach the world from a sense of of honoring. And so we've been talking about the different people that we should honor. But this week I want to read from an Old Testament passage in Malachi, uh, Malachi chapter one, verse six. Uh, God says this. He says, a son honors his father and a slave um, honors his master. If I am a father, where is the honor that is due to me? That's, that's really the question, where is the honor? It's kind of the question we've been asking um, throughout this series. Right? Where is our culture is kind of evaporating honor out of its language, out of its, out of its uh, 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 worldview? And this is what God said. God said, where is the honor? But especially, where is the honor that is due to to me, if I am a master, where is the respect due to me? Says the Lord Almighty. And so today, I want to talk about honoring God, um, honoring God, because that's the foundation of honor. I think I think all all honor toward others stems out of a, a public honor of others stems out of a private honor of God, and a public dishonor of others stems out of a private dishonor of God. 
And so, and so if we can just get this one thing right, and I think we've been talking around honor enough that we can just jump right in there and just, just talk about it. Before I do, um, uh, I, I have a little illustration of what dishonor is. Um, it's not hard to find illustrations for dishonor. It's just hard to tell which one to talk about. Um, my, my brother, he's, he's, he's three years younger than me. He's in the Marines, and um, he's, he's going to be moving down here as soon as his time is up with the Marines, um, as soon as he gets released. Uh, he, he's living in New York right now. We're both from Michigan. He's in New York right now. He's been there for about three years. Uh, I think he's got one year left, and he's going to be coming down uh, to help us with the church plan. But ever since he got into the Marines, he really got into weightlifting. Um, he was never into it before. I obviously very much into it, and uh, so that's cool. Glad he's finally joining me. Um, I don't see why it's so funny. I don't You know, and so he's, he, he's always, like, talking about lifting weights, and he tells me stuff, and I really don't understand what he's talking about. Like, he's, he's, he's spitting out these, these words, these phrases, but they don't mean anything to me. Like, oh, I, 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 I did one of these, like, X amount of those, and something or other, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. I was talking to a guy the other day. He was telling me about his his uh, his, his, his like motorhome or something. He's like, oh, he told me the model. And I said, I really don't. You know, I mean, I could sit here and pretend like I know what you. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I say, I don't know what an MKX is. I don't know what that is. And oh, it's similar to an SBC something. Or I said, no, I don't know anything about like that whole world. It's just that's over there. I'm over here. You gotta break it down for me. What like, how big is it? Feet and inches. Like that's what works for me. I don't know. And uh, so, so anyway, my, my, my brother's into weightlifting, and he posts videos frequently on Facebook of him weightlifting. They're little 15 second or 20 second videos, and I watch them sometimes. Um, but sometimes you just keep scrolling, you know, and uh, because. You know, it's like, oh, hey, you lifted something heavy. All right, that's great. And then you put it back down. I don't know what happened. But I especially watched him replay. There was one that he lifted, and then, like, he lost his balance, and so he dropped it, and his face went to the wall. That was funny. Brothers got to do that, especially older brothers. You got to just laugh at each other. Anyway, um, but there was one video that he had posted, and it was I was just like, okay, whatever. And and um, and so somebody was talking to me. They said, hey, did you see you know Peter's post? Did you see all the all the conversation that went on underneath the video? And I was like, no, I didn't really see it. I don't really know. And so I went back and I read. And, <laughs> and this friend of ours who is from Michigan, childhood friend, we haven't seen her in years, but she just posted like underneath his 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 weightlifting video. Like this is all she posted. This is her entire post. She just said, get a life. <laughs> I was hilarious. <laughs> that's because I'm kind of sick and demented. And so you gotta pray for me. But you know, she just she's like, that's it, just get a life. And so my brother's like, well, like, what do you mean? I have a life, blah blah blah. And so this whole like conversation, like, you know, Facebook comment conversation just kind of unfolded. Like apparently she felt like A, like my brother didn't have a life. Apparently. And B, like he, he like he wasn't a good dad or a good husband. And like all of these things about him based on the videos that she was seeing of him lifting weights. So apparently everybody who lifts weights and posts videos, like they don't have a life, they don't take care of their kids, and they don't love their wife. And it was like, what in the world? Like, you know. So now I like to tease Peter and just say, get life. But um but it is it is funny how in our generation we we we're, we're, that happens frequently. That's actually not an uncommon occurrence. That's like 
oh yeah, 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 I've seen that, I've heard about that, yeah, that just happened to me last week. Because we, we, we've so lost this idea of honor that, that, we, that we make snap judgments on people in 15 second videos. And we, we do this whether it's, let's see, this week it was the Duggars, there was a bunch of stuff on with the Duggars, and a lot of people writing a lot of stuff. It's everybody has an opinion, and, and like if you have a different opinion, that means you're wrong. And so everybody is just so divisive, just so, so, so little honor among each other. And so here at City Chapel, we don't want to stir up division. We want to bring honor and bring respect for each other and a value for each other that says, just because I see some videos of you doesn't mean I know your whole life story or I'm going to judge you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to value you. And, I'm gonna, and if I see something wrong, if I see something is actually up in your life, I'm going to come to you from a place of honor, from a place of value in order to help you, not to cut you down or bring you down. And so... Yeah, so, so, so anyway, that, that, that's what this series is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about honoring people and, 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 and regarding them. And the way we do that, first of all, is by honoring God. And so the first way that we honor God is with our memory. And I want to talk about how we can honor him with our memory. It's important that we honor him with, with remembering what he's done for us. In fact, I would say most of the stuff we go through in life, most of the stress and the anxiety that we have about the future could come down to one simple thing, and it is forgetfulness of what God has done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Most of our anxiety about the future comes from a place of forgetfulness about what God has done in the past. Yeah. We, we, we look forward, we say, boy, I don't know what's going to happen if, I'm not sure what's going to, and, and even, even with this storm, you know, there's a lot of anxiety going around, a lot of fear going around. But really, in these times, it's so important that we remember and that we rehearse what God has done in the past. And that's what the psalmist said. I quoted that this morning. He said, he said, I'll bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. So yeah, don't right. allow all the good things that he's done for us to be forgotten, swept aside, and say, okay, God, now what are you going to do for me now? And I'm not really sure that I'm, that, that, that I'm going to have food tomorrow. I'm going to have a job next week. When God's already done so much for you and right. so much for me in the past. Uh, I heard a heard a preacher talking about his I think it was his sister and, and, and her sister's husband was dying. He was in his fifties. He's dying of cancer, and fifties is, is young to die. And, and to die of cancer, slow death. The doctors had sent him home and said we can't do anything for him. And so they so so they they were just at home in the special bed, and she would have visitors. And one of the visitors became sort of frustrated when she when she was so happy. He was like, you know, you shouldn't be so joyful when such an awful, terrible thing is happening. And her response, I think, was so honoring of God because she said, here's the deal. Like, like, like my, 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 my husband, he deserves hell because of his sin. He deserves eternal hell, eternal suffering and torment. But instead of that, God sent his son and his son gave his life. Yeah. In order for him to have eternal bliss and happiness, how in the he's about to enter into this eternal bliss. Why would I be upset or sad or terrible? I mean, what he deserved and what he got is so different. Yeah. How can I be upset yeah. at God or upset at the situation? Because I mean, look what he's getting. Look how unfair this is in our benefit. Like we just won the lottery here, folks. Like I should be rejoicing over this. Why? Because she's remembering what God has done. Remembering the salvation. Really, if, if God doesn't do anything else for us, the fact that he has given us heaven when we deserve hell is in and of itself alone. That's enough to be joyful and to have a good attitude and to honor him, to value him supremely. Because anybody that would do that for you or for me 
ought to be honored, ought to be valued. He deserves to be, to have the highest place in our lives. Also, this, this, this helps us a lot with, with regard to our, our interaction with, with others. I was talking to my kids this past week, and um, we were dealing with some attitude issues, which um, three-year-olds and six-year-olds sometimes have those, and 35-year-olds also sometimes have those. Um, and so I was preaching to the choir. But uh, what we do, we always do Bible stories at bedtime. And um, so I was, I was sharing with them a Bible story, and it, was, and it was about some stuff that we've been talking and dealing with during the day. And so I said, okay, guys, here's, here's a Bible story. And I, I told them the story that Jesus told about a, about a man who was not very well off, and he borrowed a whole bunch of money from this other ruler who, who was very well off, and he, and he spent it all. And so I, you know, modernized it, and I said, you know, he, he bought a big house and a nice car and flat-screen TV and a lot of toys. And Madden's like, why would he want toys? He's an adult. <laughs> that was for Micah, okay? That was, Micah's three years old, so he, he's like, oh, oh, oh. And, um, you know, he, he just bought all this stuff, and he had this life, and, and, but he didn't really make enough money to ever pay this back. Like, he was so deep in debt, there was no way. And so, and so the rich man said, all right, man, I need my money back. I need you to pay me back. And the guy said, I cannot ever pay. There's no way. And so I said to the kids, so what do you think probably happened? And so they said, well, he probably had to sell all this stuff and, and you know, try to pay him back somehow. And I said, yeah, that, that's logically what should happen. That's what should happen. You should, you know, if you can't pay for the flat screen TV, like, you don't get the flat screen TV anymore. You give it back to the people who paid for it. And the car and the house, and if you don't own it, then it goes back to the person you borrowed the money from. And that's what should happen in a just and fair world. But I said, you know, it's crazy. The rich guy was so generous that he just said, you know what, you can just go ahead and keep it all. Just keep the house, keep the car, keep the toys. And I didn't have toys, man. Keep it all. And, 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 just, and just forget about the debt. You don't owe me anything. And they were like, wow, that's amazing. I said, yeah, that's what God's done for us. We've, we're so in debt with our sin. We can never pay it back. We can never. We, 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 we're, we're, we're stuck. And God came down and said, you know what? You can go ahead and live in a house that you haven't earned. You can live a life that you don't deserve. And you can live an eternity that you didn't pay for. I did. I said, isn't that amazing? And the kids are like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I said, but then something happened. And this guy who just got all that stuff for free, he went and found one of his friends who owed him like $5, like a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And he said, you better pay me back my $5 or I'm going to put you in jail. And I said, you know, do you think that's right? And he said, no. Why not? And because he just been forgiven a whole lot of stuff. He should just forgive that person. I said, Exactly. And so when I was talking to them about their attitude, I said, your attitude toward people is not reflecting the attitude that God has shown toward you. You're not treating people the same honor. You, like, God's forgiven you a lot of things, and your parents are real kind to you. Have you ever not had a house? Have you ever not had food or anything like that? And I went, I went the whole, whole you know, trip about that. No, Daddy, I just got you nice. I said, okay, so here's the deal. I expect you to treat other people in the same way, even when they do something against you. Because forgiveness is not about just saying, well, what you did was okay. 
has nothing to do with the person did. It has everything to do with what you have been forgiven of yourself. And so when we honor God, really what, what we'll end up doing is we'll end up forgiving every single person who's ever done anything against us. Not because they're ever going to make it right. Not because they're ever going to apologize. Not because it's going to like fix it. But because we've been forgiven by so much, our memory just tells us, hey, you know what, Harry, you should just let that go. God has forgiven you of so much. And when we when we honor God, that's that's why I'm saying that our honor for people comes out of our honor for God. When we honor God, suddenly we begin to forgive people and to honor people just like just like God does. Secondly, we honor him with our with our mind. We honor him with our with, with our memory. We honor him with our mentality. We honor him with our mind. We honor him with our focus. That when we put Jesus, when we put God at the highest place in our life, what we're doing is we're putting him at the center. It's, he's, the, he's the one that we're looking to. He's the one we're looking toward. And there's, there's a passage that says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You remember that, remember that passage? And, and so often in church, like we talk about that, and then we, and we say, then what you need is like you need, you, you need to get happy. Like you need to get joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength, so you need to get the joy of the Lord. Like it's, like it's, like it's in a box, and it's this package, and it's, and it's, and it's labeled joy of the Lord. Uh, you know, there's... It's like this other joy, that's not good enough. You need like the Nike brand of joy, which is joy of the Lord. It's got a little swish thing on it. And like you, you, you put it on, and then you're joyful, and then you're strong. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture doesn't say that joy is strength, that happiness is strength. It says the joy of the Lord is strength. So, so strength in life comes from, from not necessarily receiving the joy of the Lord, but from simply seeing the joy of the Lord. Yeah. It is the yeah. Lord's joy. Like. Yeah. Like, like, when you see a happy Savior, when you see a happy God, when you see a joyful God, that's what makes you strong. Like, you can be strong and still be sad. You can, you can still be crying and not be able to get out of bed and still have strength, not because you have some kind of superficial joy, but because you see the one who is joyful. You see the one at the end of the tunnel. You see the one at the, at the finish line. That's what, that's what the Bible says about Jesus, that he endured the cross the spies and the shame for the joy that was set before him. Like he was looking forward to this joyful God who was redeeming humanity through him. And when he saw his joyful father, that gave him the strength to carry on with what his mission was in life. And I don't, I don't know about you, but there's such a lack of strength in our day. People are, 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 are like, like getting really, really scared. And there's a lot of fear with Jane Helm and, and uh, Lord, who knows what else. I mean, like, everything's a conspiracy, everything's a possibility of something's going on, and, and, and let, me just, let me just clear it up for you. The end is near. <laughs> like, it is. I really believe that it is. And I'm thrilled. I'm pumped. I mean, we're, like, like, it's going to be the wedding feast of all wedding feasts. We're about to meet our Savior. We're about to meet our God. And for the Christian, there's no fear in end times. There's no fear in Mark of the Beast and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, like this is a good thing. We are racing toward the culmination, the fulfillment of all things if we keep our eyes on Jesus. The reason why we get afraid is because we take our eyes off of Jesus, like Peter walking on the water. The reason why we fear is because we take our eyes off of him and we start looking at, at all the circumstances that surround his coming. And that's what Scripture says. Scripture says that it'll be a terrible day, that it'll be an awful day. In fact, a perilous day, I think, in 2 Timothy. The perilous times, like dangerous times. But you know what the number one attribute of these perilous times is? And I don't even have the Scripture in the slides. It just came to me. The number one attribute of the, of, of the perilous times, people will be lovers of themselves. 
Not like there will be marks on people's hands and people getting zapped with some microchips on. No, they will be lovers of themselves. They'll be honorers of themselves. They won't esteem God. They won't honor God. They won't put him at the highest place. They'll put themselves at the highest place. And so the greatest danger of our time is that we take our eyes off of Jesus. The greatest danger is that we take our eyes off of God and we start looking around at how, how can I secure my comfort? How can I make sure to take care of my, my, my stuff? How can I guard my stuff and create a, you know, build a bunker and all that kind of thing? That's, I mean, if you want to build bunkers, fine. Go ahead and build a bunker. I'm not going to mock you. But, you know, like, it's, it's, it's about meeting up with Jesus again. And so we can look forward to the joy that's set the final way that we honor God is with our value system. We honor him by valuing him above all else. There's a scripture in Matthew 13, uh, 44. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, that's the rule of heaven, that's the reign, that's, that's relationship with God. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. A man found and covered up, and then in his joy, there's that word again, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and buys the field. Like he finds this great treasure, covers it back up, joyfully runs and buys the field. Why did he buy the field? Because of the treasure. And really, the, the scripture is not about buying your way to heaven or somehow earning your salvation. Because notice, he couldn't buy the treasure. He could only buy the field. You can't afford the treasure of salvation. You can't afford the treasure of relationship with God. It's, it's above your pay grade. It's above my pay grade. We can't, we cannot afford that. But we can afford a dirt field. Because dirt is basically what we're made of. We are dirt. And so he, 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 he sells all that he has joyfully, just gives it all up to buy this field. And people say, you're crazy. That's, the field isn't worth that much. And he says, no, no, it's okay. I know about the treasure buried in the field. And he so values Christ that he sees him as a treasure. And that's really my, my challenge to you. Would, you. would you just elevate the value of Jesus in your life by remembering what he's done for you, by focusing on who he is right now in your life? And finally, I just want to read some scripture about what, script, about what the Bible says that he is. This is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. It says that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. If you see Jesus, you see God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, by the way, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, those are different levels of leadership. There's the earthly thrones, there are dominions, there are, there are, there are heavenly uh, uh, beings. Whatever kind of authority there is, these were created by him. All things were created through him and for him. They are, they are created for his pleasure, for his good. All these things. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. One, 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 one uh, uh, version says he holds all things together. So the reason, one of the reasons, one of the many, many reasons why Jesus is so valuable is because all things consist inside of him. That's why we come to him first in prayer, because whatever we're dealing with consists inside of him. 
any sickness we have consists inside. It's not this outside thing that he has to travel and deal with like, like, like you and I do. But he, 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 it literally is within him. He, he, he's that close to it. I was talking to somebody the other day. They were, they were, they were, they were talking about how, you know, how, how they weren't sure how their finances were going to work out. And I said, well, this is what Scripture said, that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. She said, yeah, that's great, but, you know, nothing's coming to the bank, nothing's coming. How does that work? And I said, well, here's the deal. My God shall supply all my needs according to, and that is important, in accordance to or in proportion to the richness of his glory, the greatness of his glory. The greater we glorify him, the greater we honor him, the greater we exalt him, the more needs he supplies in our life. It's in accordance to the greatness of his glory or the bigness of his glory or the wealth of his glory. And so when we elevate him, when we establish him, then he becomes our most central need. He becomes our greatest desire. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to the greatness of his glory. And he's, he, 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 he fills all things. He's, all things consist within him. Verse 18 says, and he is, the, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him all things may have preeminence, that he is first and, and foremost, and he's above everything else. In Colossians chapter 2, he goes on to say, but beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, the most valuable thing. For, here it is again, in him dwells the fullness of God. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality. You are complete in him. Final passage that I would just like to read is from Psalm 23, and I think this gives us the greatest value of Jesus. And that's really what the psalm is about, by the way. This is about Jesus, the psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my, this is what the psalm is about. It's about my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. One, one version says, there's nothing that I will lack because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And sometimes he does make me lie down. Sometimes I want to run around like a chicken with my head cut off. But he makes me rest. When you value him, when you honor him, when you put him at the highest place, that's when you'll start to rest. Because he'll, he'll make you rest. He'll say, okay, stop, 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 stop. I'm trying to figure it all out. Just, just, just lay down. Good fields and green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. You can get restoration of a lot of things. You can restore your bank account. You can restore relationships. You can restore your self-esteem. But who can restore your soul? It's Jesus. Your soul, your inner self. He restores, he brings it back. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so it's all about him. He says, I want you to walk this way in order to glorify me, in order to honor me. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Anybody had to eat in the presence of their enemies before? <laughs> Which, if you're a sheep, that means it's a bunch of wolves. So a bunch of wolves wandering in. So they want to eat what you're eating, and they want to eat you as well, like as an appetizer. <laughs> Interesting that God doesn't remove our enemies while he prepares our table. 
He prepares the table in the presence of our enemies. This, see, if you were to just get rid of all the enemies, then you wouldn't need him anymore, would you? He keeps himself as the most valuable thing in your life. When you're eating with wolves slobbering next to you, you have to keep your eye on the shepherd. His rod and his staff that comfort him. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. That's 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 a thing of honor right there. That, that means he honors us. He honors us. He pours oil on our head. Our cups run over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy will chase me down. Is what he's saying. Mercy is for everything that we've done in our past. Goodness is for everything that's coming up in the future. God's, God's protection of us, his, his, his relevance in our life is such that he chases us and we can't even get away from it. My goodness and my mercy will chase you down. And then after all of that, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And there's this promise of eternal peace, eternal joy, eternal happiness. Not just today. That's the value. That's part of the value of Jesus. 